us together before he left. And what do you think he'd say to us? What, what would he say? Huh? Okay, that would have been a good thing. He said, remember who you are. There are a couple other things he told us. Pardon? Oh, no, he didn't say that. Yeah, that's what I said. He said, obey mom. Mom's in charge. He said, I'll be back on whatever. He didn't know specifically when he'd be back, but we had an idea when he was coming back. And if we had been good, we really look forward to seeing him. <laughs> you, you don't want mom to say, Remember, Dad's coming back because that probably means that, that you, were, you were not behaving. You've seen the bumper sticker maybe. I haven't seen it lately, but Jesus is coming back and he's mad. You know, that, that can portray a really wrong message, but there is truth from the Word of God that, that brings that out. That is a part of the picture. That's not the whole picture, but he's coming in judgment. It makes it clear that he's coming in judgment. Those who are, are, are you coming, is this coming across? Is this getting, getting out there? You, you can hear it okay? Okay. That when he, when he comes, he's, he's coming to settle up. And the Bible says that justice will reign in the earth. Isn't that going to be wonderful? When there's real justice, when you can count whatever the king says, it'll be just. It'll be righteous. And so we... We looked forward to Dad coming back. It was always fun to anticipate, and it was most fun if you got, if you got out first. If you beat, a, if beat everybody out. I have five sisters. And so we're all trying. You know, we're trying. If, if you see him, you just shriek, and you run for the door, and you run out. Because uh, there was, uh, when we were in San Francisco before we came down to California, if we got out, he would let us ride on the bumper. And we would. We would sit and, and the last half a block, he would just go real slow. And never, you know, I still have both legs and both arms. So that it was fun. It was so much fun to anticipate his return. And we didn't know exactly, but we had an idea. And we want to be the first one. Here's what Bill Bright said once. Bill Bright, the head of Campus Crusade, he said he came home from one of those trips. And he said, boys, I'm home. No response. He said, I'm home, boys. Okay, Dad. Come in, come in. I want to give you a hug. When we finish our game, that did not feel good at all. For him. I'm glad that didn't happen with our dad, but I can see it, it could easily happen, couldn't it? You read anything that says that some people are going to fall asleep, that some people aren't going to be attentive? Do you remember things that Jesus said, stay awake, stay on the alert, be ready, be anticipating? 
Because you know, the, you know not the day or the hour. There are signs that give us clues, but you know not the day or the hour. And so we want to live in anticipation. Is there anything in the Bible about the second coming? You know that there is far, far more about the second coming than about the first coming. Incredibly more. Don't say eschatology doesn't matter. Eschatology, the word eschatos, means the final or the last. So eschatology is the study of the last days. Everything banks on that. Listen to what Peter said. Set your hope completely on what is coming to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So I'm not exaggerating when I say everything focuses on that coming kingdom. And we're going to look at a few verses, then we're going to have some prayer together and, and uh, apply it. So I tried to make it strong so you can see it in the back. I apologize if you don't. If I was sitting back there, I wouldn't be able to see it. But I'll, I'll tell you about it. So turn to 2 Peter. By the way, I'm really thrilled at what God is stirring in Lydia House and at Communitas. Anthony Hulsebus came uh, uh, two Tuesdays ago, and we had prophecy until 12 midnight. Then on Sunday, we actually did. Anybody who was here, I was till midnight, wasn't it? David, how long was it? What? 11.30. Okay, I heard midnight. I was in bed. You... And then last Sunday, we had a friend, Tim, and he, he prophesied. There was, there was prophetic. The Lord has released, I'm telling you now, the Lord has released a prophetic sense in our midst. And I expect it to happen this morning. I expect there to be prophetic words. Come from you, come from me, come from us as we, as we pray together. So we're looking at Second Peter. Peter knew all about prophecy. It says in chapter 3, dear friends, he's so tender. This bold, brass fisherman has become so soft, so tender. Dear friends, you read the first and second letter and you see that several times. This is now my second letter to you. I've written both of them as reminders. Okay, this is a reminder. So there's something beforehand to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. Most important thing, we can, we can have it in our mind. We, people say, well, it's all in your mind. Hey, that's a good place to have it. If you got it in your mind, you'll live it out. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. So I want to look at the path to the holy prophets and what they have said, just a couple of them, because they have said volumes, at least 10 times more. And that's not an exaggeration, that's an understatement of how much is related to his coming as the king, his coming as the Lord, his coming to set up his kingdom. Far more than about the first coming. So just hold your place and Peter, and we're going to look back in the Old Testament, just to a couple prophecies. You, you know this one well, Joel chapter 2. In order to find out, I have to say them, Hosea, Joel, Amos, and I, I get them. You know, I get close enough, I, I can land it in Joel. It says, and afterwards, in verse 28, well, if you know the uh, Acts 2, or you look at that, Jesus says, in the last days. He doesn't say, and afterwards. I mean, uh, Peter says, in the last days. So, 
These are the last days now. When did the last days begin? When Jesus came, was crucified, raised from the dead, ascended to the Father, poured out the Spirit. That's the beginning of the end. So, so those signal the last days. In the last days, according to Peter, looking back, Joel 2.28, I will pour out my Spirit upon all people. How's that a shift? They were poor, the, the Spirit was given to special people for special assignments at special moments. The Spirit could leave them. Can you think of people who had the Spirit under the Old Covenant? You got it. There were, there were select people. Now they're thinking, oh, what a day that will be. Whoa, the Spirit on everybody. What will they do? They will prophesy. Oh, Jesus, release a spirit of prophecy in our midst. Release that spirit. Holy Spirit, come and do your work in, in our midst so that we speak the prophetic word. Your old men will dream dreams. See, it's a time of revelation breaking open, and it's, it's cutting across genders, cutting across any denominational barriers. It's cutting across age uh, boundaries, generational boundaries. Even on my servants. Wow. Slaves, servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Now, that's the beginning of the end. That's the last days. Now he shifts and says, I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth. That didn't happen at the beginning of the end. That happens at the end of the end. You peek over in chapter 3 of Joel, 3, verse 15. The sun and moon will be darkened and the stars no longer shine, the Lord will, what's the next word? Roar. Roar. There's that sound. There's going to be a sound so loud that everyone will hear it. There's a roar and there's a trumpet. And there's scripture, we'll look at him in a minute. There's going to be a sound from heaven on the last day, on the last day. When you say the day of the Lord, you're not speaking about 24 hours necessarily. You're speaking about a time when God comes to vindicate his people. Israel thought that regardless of their unfaithfulness, God was going to come and he was going to beat up their, the people so that they'd be the tough person on the block again. Amos was the first one to say, no, that isn't true. He's coming, and if you're unfaithful, it's not a good day for you. It's going to be a dreadful day. And so Jesus, or uh, uh, the Lord came, and he used invading armies to discipline and to punish Israel. When he did it, when they were thrown out of the country, some of them lost their faith because they couldn't imagine God doing that. It was a great and terrible day. And it prefigured the last day, which will be a, a great and dreadful day. So you've got a prophetic word here it has two mountain peaks, and in between, what happens? And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is a day of powerful evangelism because the Spirit is poured out on everybody. You have the Spirit, therefore you can do the works of God. You can do what God does. You can prophesy today. Raise your hand if you're among those who can prophesy, and that you can prophesy today. You've got the Holy Spirit. You can prophesy. That's what it says. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Notice, if you see this in Acts chapter 2, this says the last days 
And then it switches and it says the last days. So one of the things that's going to happen, I want you kids to hear this, and then you guys, you can take them off anytime you want to. I'd love to have them stay, but you can, you, you got assignment too. On the last day, Joel said, and so did Jesus. Jesus quotes this as he's talking to the disciples. Chapter 24, the sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky. Can you imagine what would happen if the stars started falling from the sky? Can you imagine the blackout? See, in the beginning, God said, what? Let there be light. And bang a universe is, is, for the first time, lit up. It exists. It, it, it didn't exist before. God's spoken into existence. And there's light. The last day, God is going to reverse that and say, let there be no light. And then right after that, Jesus is returning. How are we going to see Jesus? He is the light. He is the light. What happened to him when he was transfigured? That's right. He glowed in the dark. He was so light that the, the Father showed them his future glory. And when he comes, he will have eyes of fire and he will shine, and everyone on both sides of the, all sides of the globe, everyone will see him. Figure that one out. They will see in the darkness, they will see Jesus returning with perhaps a billion angels. And they will all see it. And those that are ready will start shouting, He's coming! And Revelation says those who are not ready, they will pray that the rocks crush them. Because it's immediate. You see, immediately, people will mourn because they know, oh, I was wrong. He is returning, and he's coming back for his bride. He's coming back to take those who belong to him. He's coming back to judge. And he's coming back in the darkness, but every eye will see him. And it's preceded. I get so excited about this. Turn to 1 Thessalonians. Karen reminded me that we have this on the tombstone of our little boy that died at birth, and uh, we just the phrase, and so we shall ever be with the Lord. Paul is talking, as he talks often, just take my word for it, I won't show you all the passages, but Paul talks often about the return of Christ and the day of the Lord. And so now the Thessalonians had some wrong ideas, by kids, about the, about the return of the Lord. And look at verse Four, chapter 4, verse 16. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with what? Okay, there's going to be a shout. And that shout is going to be like a roar that's going to be heard. A shout. And then what else? The voice of the archangel. I suspect that the shout comes from Jesus, the commander, and then the, the the captain or the lieutenant, the archangel, is going to tell the troops, okay, line up. And a, a billion of them will be in formation 
with their swords. It, yes, yes. And the, I want to say the voice of the archangel, and then thirdly, the trumpet. My, that's going to be a blast to end all blast. It's going to be Jesus' voice, the archangel's voice, then the trumpet sounds. And the trumpet, 1 Corinthians 15, look at this. I'm just showing you a couple of the places, but it's throughout Scripture. I did not know that, that it's all throughout that this isn't somebody that one person had revelation about, listen, I tell you a mystery, we'll, we will not all sleep, but we'll all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the what? The last trumpet. There it is. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall all be changed. So. When Jesus gets ready to move, the Father says, now, Jesus gets in place, he, the archangel hears, he gets the angels in place, the trumpet sounds, and the dead begin to rise. What would you think if you're visiting the cemetery where your mom is buried, and you're putting flowers on, and they start to open up, because they will. Because they opened up in anticipation of this day when Jesus was crucified. Right? Remember, crucified and risen? And then there was, a, there was kind of a, a preparation for the end, just kind of a, 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 a prophecy, proclamation of the end. Graves are going to open. That is the day to end all days. Because God is gathering together his people. Okay, back to, back to Joel. So let, let's just look at one, uh, we looked at Joel, let's look at one more, Malachi, you know this one. I'm just showing you two, there are about 20, that speak about the day of the Lord in this way. It's, a, it's an exciting study to see. They understood it one way, and the prophets clarified it for them, and then they enlarged upon what that means when Jesus comes back. They didn't understand it as Jesus, they understood it as God, as Yahweh, then Jesus took that to mean himself, of course. So in Malachi 4, you know this one. Look at how it begins. Chapter 4, verse 1. Surely the day is coming. See, there are a lot of different names for this day. You, what are some of them? That day, the day, the day of the Lord, the day of judgment, the great and terrible day, the last day. There, there are a lot of different ways when they speak about it. Surely the day is coming. These people knew, okay, what's it going to be like? It will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and evildoers will be stubble. And that day that is coming will set them on fire. And then you go down to verse 5. See, I am sending you, you know this passage, the prophet Elijah, before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. Okay. Here we got the last days, and as we get close, there are some signs that tip us off. I'm not going to look at those, but you just name a few of them. You know a few of them. What are some of the signs that it's very close? It's imminent. Okay, there are going to be lots of wars. The wars are increasing. We, we, there, there, there are something like 40 or 50 wars that are going on. 
simultaneously, and they're increasing. You think, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. That is a humanistic sound. It's not, it's not the word of the Lord. So it, wars are increasing. What else? Pardon? Famine. A guy said, we're solving the famine problem. I said, we got more famine now than ever before. We got more riches, but we have more famine too at the same time. So earthquakes. Nature is, is getting ready. It's got birth pangs. Something is happening inside nature saying, we're getting close now. Earthquakes increase before the coming of the Lord. Nature is troubled. Nature wants to be released too. And nature, according to Romans 8, will be released when the sons of, sons of God are revealed. Anything more about the last days? There's, there's uh, uh, apostasy. At the same time, there's revival. Elijah will bring revival. Who is Elijah? It was John the Baptist. If you, can, if you can accept that, John the Baptist was Elijah. If you can, Jesus says, if you can accept that, that's true. There will be an Elijah-like person, John the Baptist-type person. John preached in the desert, and all of Israel went out to hear him. There are going to be people that will be preaching in such a way there will be revival. At the same time, apostasis, from station, from center, the church. I just talked with a professor from Luther Seminary. I went to Luther Seminary when it was a little more solid than it is now. He said it is crumbling. It is, it is falling apart. It's shredded. They're just a small percentage of the students that were there before. And I, I didn't receive that and, and rejoice. I grieved in my heart at what they're, it's apostasy. It's going from a position. There will be apostasy in the church. Jesus said because the hearts of men turn cold in fear. And so they will move from their center. He that endures to the end, there will be people there will be revival, and those people will be looking forward. And when these days come, Jesus says, what? Lift up your head. The day is drawing near. So I will send you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers. You know the father message? It's prophesied right here. This powerful message that some people are grabbing. That guy... Tim, he understood that, didn't he? He understood the father message. He spoke to us last week. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. There will be a revival of relationship, a revival of homes. How wonderful that before the Lord comes back, there will be relationships connected between children and parents because, because Jesus is returning. Lest I come and smite the land with a curse, so it will either be with a huge blessing or a curse. So, did Jesus talk about the end times? A little bit? He talked, pardon? All, all the time. He talked about the, the second coming. I looked at that this morning just, just, to, just to review all the places where Jesus talks about the second coming. I'm not going not gonna to show you. I'm just going to invite you to consider that. If you ever wondered whether Jesus talked about the second coming, you don't have to wonder anymore. The, the things that are most precious to someone, the thing that is most precious to me is something my dad said to me before he died. He called all his children together. He called those who weren't living. The, the children were living for the Lord, but he called the, the, uh, his uh, nephews and nieces. And if they weren't living for the Lord, they, they were getting it straight. He didn't have any time to waste. He knew he was going. The maid went down 
to clean. And my dad said, what are you doing to make your mark on eternity? I almost felt sorry for her because he, was, he, was, he knew his time was about done. And he was going to invest it and, and make sure everyone at least heard something about the gospel. And he said something that was very special. to me. I don't know if I share that with you. I, I've kept it in my heart as a treasure. The thing that the person says close to their death, look at chapter 24 and 25. It's all about his return. He's coming back. And he wants us to be thinking about it. He wants us to be anticipating. He wants us to, to hasten it, hasten it by the way we live. A life of purity and a life uh, of selfless offering to others. And so he wants us, to, because he did say at one time, when the Son of Man comes, this was in a time when he was really pondering the sobriety of this, will he find faith on the earth? I'll just show you one passage. I love this, what he says in chapter 19 of Matthew. They said, who then can be saved? He said, with men is impossible. With God, all things are possible. Then Peter says, well, we left everything. What's in it for us? And this is what Jesus said in response. He didn't rebuke him. He said, I tell you the truth, at the renewal of all things. What's that? The earth, the earth is going to be renewed at the renewal of all things when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne. That's going to be on earth. That'd be kind of nice to have Jesus ruling as king. We can look forward to that. And if we look forward to it, what does hope bring? Hope brings cope. Paul talked about all he suffered, and what did he call it? A light, momentary affliction. You can endure anything when you are minded about eternity. And that's how Paul and Peter encouraged us. I'm not going to look at anything from Paul, although there are many places. I'm just going to look back to the first letter that Peter wrote and just show a, just two references. Peter's saying, I'm reminding you, don't forget these things. Don't be so caught up, even in good things, that we forget. I easily forget. I get caught up. I'm doing things I love to do. I'm thanking God for this. But he says, don't forget, I am returning. I don't want to ha what happened to Bill Bright happen to Jesus with us. Because he said there would be those who would be falling asleep. So Peter says in the first chapter, therefore... Verse 13, prepare your minds for action. Be controlled. What does it say then? Somebody read it. We're putting all our marbles in this basket. Set your hope fully. Jesus is coming back. So if Jesus is coming back, let's, let's go back to 2 Peter First, you must understand this, that in the last days, scoffers will come. They're in the, even in the church now. Scoffing and following their own evil desires, they will say, where is this coming he promised? Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. 
There's a fancy word I learned. I've never, I don't think I've ever used it once. I'm going to use it right now. Uniformitarianism. It means things are uniform. It means things have always been this way and they always will. If you believe that matter is eternal, you also believe in uniformitarianism. I can't even say it. It means that it's a theory that says that there is no catastrophe that enters into upset natural law. That things are just moving along and will continue to move along. And Peter says, first of all, they ignore this, this catastrophic interruption bringing the universe into existence when God spoke it, and then the catastrophe of the flood. It interrupted natural law and throw th threw things out of kilter. It gave the appearance of what some people would, would say is evolution, but you get, you get water rushing in that way and, and pressure. You give, get things the appearance of age, and uh, they ignore this. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire. It's not going to be baptized in water. It's going to be baptized in fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. So it's a day of judgment of the ungodly. And that needs to spur us on. It won't be a happy day for a couple of my relatives unless things change. But do not now hear the first thing I, I said was from the first two verses that Peter is call, recalling us. He's reminding us. So we look back and, okay, who talked about it? Jesus talked about it. The prophets talked about it. The apostles, Paul and Peter, talked about it. Then we have this chunk that, that we have to be aware there's a deception. We need the spirit of discernment. We need understanding in the last days because it will come even from the church. Oh, it's... You don't think about that. You don't think about eschatology. Whatever anybody wants to believe, it doesn't matter. It's, no, it's way out there. People keep saying he's coming, and, and uh, it's not going to happen. But here's what Peter tells us. The character of God. Do not forget one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. What is he? How kind God is. In the midst of talking about judgment, when it talks about the character of God, it talks about one who is so patient. He is not wanting one person to perish. So if you're praying, you're praying in the will of God. If you're praying, God, save my brother, save my mother, save my kids, save, save my brother-in-law, Jim, who, who was a child of God and Led people to the Lord and backed off from that. Save Jim, oh God. Save my neighbor. Save the guy I met last week. Came here to sell me some gutters. That's a wonderful prayer to pray. Because God is patient, that's why. And if he hadn't come back by now, why is it? Because he's patient. He wants people. He, he's a father and he wants children. Not wanting any to perish but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. That's consistent. In the Old and New Testament, it talks about Jesus coming like a thief. It's a, it's a funny metaphor, but it gets the idea. We understand. It's, it's, you can't guess it. You can't guess the day. You know generally. You, you, you have a, a, a sign, but when it comes, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be, whoa, 
and then we're going to rejoice. The heavens will disappear with a roar. There it is again. See, that's consistent in the Word of God. This is the Word of God. And when it speaks, it speaks without error. It is infallible. We can trust this. Okay, since everything will be destroyed in this way. Here's the application. And I'm not going to do any more teaching. I'm just going to read this, and then I'm going to invite you to take some time. Alone or in a small group. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day and actually speed its coming. The King James says, hasten it. We can make it come sooner. I can't, I can't wrap my brain around that one. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, but in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth. So then, dear friends, there's that dear friends again. Since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace in him. You stop for a moment, and here endeth the message, CJ. <coughs> so in light of what we just shared, what would be the so what for you? You may want to write it down. You may want to just ponder it. In light of this, then what? Is there anything that needs to change that you say, yeah, I need to change this? My kids have said, when are you going to retire? I said, 95. When I'm 95, I'll retire. The thought of retiring when there's still work to be done, I, I'm not satisfied with that. I'm not interested in that. That's one Take away from me. I want to I spend my life. I've got eternity to rest up. What does it mean for you? Take a moment. 